I want to open up the topic of family, and I'm aware that for some people that's a difficult topic to open, but um, I really believe that we as a church are called to be family, and um, we all have different uh, traditions within our families, we all do family in different ways. Um, a couple of years ago, I took one of our young people um, up to Liverpool, um, we were going I didn't take him to go and see my family. Uh, we were going up to see a Liverpool match and we just so happened to call in on my parents. Um, and we dropped in for lunch and we hung out with my parents and I think it was quite a strange experience uh, for him being in my parents' house. And uh, on the way back from Liverpool, we were chatting and I said, was it, was it strange? And he was like, yeah. He, I said, did you think, like, did you look at me in a different way? And he said, yeah, you act like me when I'm with my parents. And I was like, well, that's a problem, because you're 15 and I'm 30, and I'm acting like a 50. I suppose that's why I do the job I do. Um, but you see, he, he got to see behind the walls of our family home, and he got to see me in a different way. He's used to seeing me as a youth leader and a youth worker, and he got to see me as a son. And you see, when I go to my parents' home, I don't ask if I can go in the fridge and get some food. I just do it. I don't ask if I can get a drink. I just do it, because I've got family privileges. I'm family. And this morning, you might be a guest here, and you tonight, this morning might be your first time with us. We want to say that you are really welcome. You know, when a guest comes into your house, you treat them with the highest honour, don't you? You look after them, you give them a cup of tea, you give them a drink, you, you sit with them, you chat to them. You don't, when a guest comes to your house for the first time, you don't show them the living room and then go and tidy your bedroom and leave them there. You look after them and you treat them with honour. The way that our house works, we have a philosophy with our house that when, when someone's been to our house two or three times, we say to them, look, you're not a guest anymore, you're family. So they have family privileges, so, so some of our friends know that they can come into our house and just open the fridge and, and grab a drink or grab some food. Um, because we say, you're not a guest, you're friends, you're family. And when, when you're family, you get family privileges. Um, who here is under the age of 18? Give me a little wave if you, can, if you can. Okay, keep waving at me. If in your house you have to do some jobs, like cleaning your room, doing the dishes, drying, unloading the dishwasher. Yeah, who... Keep your hand up if you like doing those jobs. Yeah, lots of hands disappeared. Some hands still up, well done. You can put your hands down now. You see, kids, I want to tell you that those jobs are a privilege... And you might not think it is, but it is. Why is it a privilege? Because you are family. And in your family, when you are family, you get to contribute to the home. When you're family, you get family privileges and you get to be a part of building that home. And I want to say to you this morning, if you come regularly, you are family and you get to contribute to the building of this house. Not literally, we've paid some builders to actually build the actual house over there. Um, but we, you get to contribute. That's why when you arrived today, there was people in the car park. And when you came in, there was people on the hosting team. And that's why there's people serving behind the tech desk as well, because they're family. And they understand that they get to contribute. You don't have to, but you get to. It's a privilege. And that's what family is about. You see, uh, the Bible says this in Galatians 3, verse 26 to 28. It's coming up on the screens. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself 
with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Guys, we are different. We're different shapes, different sizes, different ages. We've got different interests, different hobbies, different things that we all hate, different things that we all love. But we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are a family. And I want to invite you to, be, to dig into this family and be committed to this family and be all in for this family. In a moment, Laura's going to come and talk to us about being together. And opening that topic, um, we're going to show you a little video of some builders doing the hard hat challenge. Um, this is where builders try and flick their hard hat onto their head. Um, most of the time, it goes wrong. We're going to try and get Chris Neville um, to do it following on from his appearance last week in Life Central TV. We're going to try and get uh, Chris to do it in the week, and we'll put it on Facebook for you. But have a look. This is the hard hat challenge. Skills. Building skills. Now, uh, I, you will not be surprised to know, I'm sure, have very few building skills in the traditional sense. However, what I do want to say this morning is that we are actually all called to be builders. Um, Andy talked about family, and so I just want to spend a few minutes talking about what it means to build family and to build family together. Now, as a youth worker, my main method of building is, is Jenga. When it comes to the practical building, I spend a lot of time playing Jenga. I have many Jenga skills. However, what I would say about Jenga is that if I ever want anything to last, I would never make it out of Jenga, and that is because Jenga is built to fall. Uh, the reason for that, the why is because it has nothing that bonds it together. The bricks are not bonded, and therefore they, they fall and, and they create mess. Uh, we, however, as a community, are very different to that. Uh, in Ephesians 2, verses 21 to 22, it says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. You see, if you are here this morning and you have a relationship with Jesus, or you are on a journey towards that, what Jesus says is that, do you know what? Individually, you are bricks, but it is me that binds you guys together. Jesus and the example of Jesus, who he was, who he is, a God of love. And it is this love that bonds us together. Now, not the kind of like really soppy love. I'm not going to ask you guys to get up and sort of sing songs, looking into each other's eyes and give each other a cuddle. Not that kind of love. The kind of love that when stuff gets difficult, we make difficult choices to honor other people around us. The kind of love that costs and actually can be really, really challenging. Um, Unity is not easy. And I think as we look around our nation at the moment, the example that Jesus has of unity and us being together is a vital one to grasp. Because as I look around our nation at the moment, I don't see unity. I see division, deep division, division um, in generations, division around politics, division around race. Um, I think uh, since uh, the Manchester attack last week, I, I read something where hate crime has doubled in the last week. We are divided in fear. And do you know the Bible says in 1 John that perfect love casts out fear? In Colossians, we are told, above all else, put on love because this binds us together perfectly. We are called to join together in love. And what that looks like is that if we're individual bricks in this building, then how we interact with those other bricks needs to demonstrate that love, needs to demonstrate that bond that is Jesus. And so when we are together, uh, what that means is that we honor each other. Now, to honor someone 
it really affects the way you behave about them, towards them, sorry. So what you might say to someone needs to be honouring, but equally what you say about them when you are not with them needs to be honouring as well. We are called to honour each other with what we have, with our time. Equally, I think we are called to be honouring in how we look at each other. You see, I think we can often as a community try and compare ourselves to other people. We look at other people and either wish we were more like them or wish they were a little more like us if, if other people irritate you. Um, and, and we, in that setting, go, do you know what? I, I recognise that we are different, but that does not mean we have to be divided. I recognise that, you know what, you do that, and sometimes it drives me mad, but I recognise that that's your shape, and actually I can learn from you. And I can be transformed by who you are and who God's calling you to be. And I believe within this community where we're bonded together and and really living out honour and unity, that we are in a place where we go, do you know, I'm going to prefer you to me. I recognise that this space, this community isn't about me, it is about serving others. It is about putting others before me. So I don't come into this space and go, well, what do I get from this? This doesn't suit me. This isn't about me. This is what I can give. Do you know, I come into this space and you go, I haven't got loads, but what I've got, I would love to bless you with it. Because I want to prefer you to me. And so this morning, I guess what I want to say is that as we look at family, we are all builders. And so every time you talk about somebody in this space, you're building. Every time you give something to someone, you are building. And you get to choose how you're going to build and what you're going to build. If we don't honour each other, actually what we're building is not honourable. And it causes division and doesn't celebrate difference. And so you have tools, you are builders, and I would love to ask you, what is it that you want to build in this space so that it affects beyond this space into the communities and families and friendships you have, that other people look at us and our relationship and go, do you know I see something different in that? And that relationship and that difference is Jesus. I'm going to read the verse again from Ephesians 2. In him, the whole building is joined together and raises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Hey, we're in the theme all in. And I want to finish with a a challenge this morning. So good what the guys have already shared. But what would it look like if we lived all in for God? What would it really look like? What would it look like if God had our attention for more than the hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning and for the few minutes that we may spend each morning on our devotional reading? And I'm not knocking that, that's a great place to start. But the truth is, many don't pass the start line. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 informs us that there is a race marked out for each of us. And then encourages us to run that race, throwing off, throwing off all hindrances. To go all in, you may know it, it's a poker term. And I don't play cards, I don't play poker myself, but I'm told you go all in when you're really confident that you've got a good hand and that you have every chance uh, of winning. And as Christians, guys, let's flip that. How confident should we be of going all in with Christ, knowing that we don't just have a chance of winning, but that he's already won on our behalf? There is no gamble 
involved. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. You see, we can go all in because Christ went all in first for us. Romans 5 and verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He went all in. See, while we were at our worst, God gave us his best. He gave his son, Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that makes me want to give my best too. Leonard Ravenhill, a writer and pastor, once asked the question, is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? Ouch. That's a, a tough question. Is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? And that challenged me so much when I first heard that. And then it compelled me, not condemned me, to give my all, to go all in. And guys, please don't hear that as condemnation for yourselves this morning. Because there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But may it compel you. Not in the sense of having to try to do more. Because it's not about trying more, but loving more as Laura's already suggested. You see, the greatest act of God was love. And our actions should show that love. We go all in when we fully grasp that. And then we live out what Christ has done for us. We don't try more, but we love more. And it's when we love more that it will compel us to go all in, to live sold out for God, where we care about people's salvation more than our own reputation. And I don't know about you, but often kids do this better than me. And we can learn a lot from them in how they share their faith. Sometimes they're more bolder than us. My daughter, Cara, it was an opportunity, it was a, a world book day. You can take your favorite book into school. And she wanted to take her Bible. <laughs> I tried to persuade her not to. <laughs> Because I'm a parent and I didn't want her to get any stick. But she goes, no, Dad, that's my favorite book and I'm taking it in. And as she went to school that morning, chuffed that she's got her Bible in her hand. She, she meets a friend um, as she's going in. And her friend Amelia's got this big black book too. And Cara, straight out of her mouth, comes and says, Ah, oh, Amelia, you've brought your Bible too. Which to her dad says, no, it's Harry Potter. I wanted to cringe in that moment. I wanted to shrink back. But guys, we go all in when we don't shrink back. Acts 20 and verse 20, and this is the apostle Paul speaking. He says this, I did not shrink back from proclaiming anything to you that was profitable or from teaching it to you in public from house to house. And some background there to that passage. Paul's on his second mission trip and he'd reached a place called Ephesus and saw such a, a movement of God there that he stayed three years teaching them and helping them to become disciples. He established the church there. And to this day, theologians refer to the church in Ephesus as one of the greatest churches of the Bible. It's one that's held up in high esteem. And it's from that church that we get the book of Ephesians. Laura's already mentioned it this morning. Such an incredible um, book and one of my favorite books in the Bible. And we get that because Paul didn't shrink back. 
He didn't shrink back from what God had called him to do. And again, some more background stuff. This is Paul actually saying goodbye to those people because he knows he's never going to see them again. And he also knows that the Holy Spirit is prompting him for what's to come. And guys, we know because we've read the book, if we have, what was to come. The abuse, the many beatings, the shipwreck, the imprisonment, and ultimately it cost him his life. But he didn't shrink back. Paul gave all that was in him to the mission that was before him. And we're on mission too. And I want to encourage you not to shrink back. See, he held nothing back. And if we want to see our families, like Andy said, change, if we want to see unity, if we want to see our communities change and our nation change, then we have to be a people that don't shrink back. We have to hold nothing back. See, when Saul first had his encounter with Jesus, who later became the Apostle Paul, who I'm talking about, he met him on the road to Damascus. This was his question. Lord, what do you want me to do? Acts 9 and verse 6. And guys, this is where our journey begins and continues, I believe, when we ask that question. A question that isn't, what do I do with my life? But instead, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And I believe when we truly ask that question, we can't shrink back and we'll hold nothing back. And in a moment, we're going to finish with an incredible song. It's a declaration of just that, of holding nothing back. But before we do that, in this moment, I want you to to ask that question for yourself. Not what am I going to do with my life, but instead saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? See, when we fully get that, when we realize it's not about us and all about him, we will never shrink back, which will then lead us to hold nothing back, and we can go fully all in for God. So guys, let's stand. We're going to finish with this incredible song. That's a challenge for you this morning, something for you to take away. You can explain to your kids over lunch this morning what condemnation means. So you can't blackmail them anymore to do the bedroom cleaning stuff. There's no guilt. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to worship as we go out this morning. We're going to make this incredible declaration that, Lord, what do you want us to do with my life? Let's hold nothing back. He's given us so much. We're totally set free. So let's praise and worship as we leave this afternoon.